today's show, we're going to talk about indexed universal life insurance. And to help me with that, I brought in a friend and a coworker to help talk about the pros and cons of this type of life insurance. Now, we talked about life insurance in our previous show, but I'm sure there are listeners out there that still have questions about this particular very popular type of insurance. What you are about to hear is a fun and educational show about financial issues. Join Dan Wendell and his co-host, Tony, as they explore topics related to retirement planning. No matter how close you are to retirement, it's time to listen to another episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Hello and welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio with me, Dan Wendell, owner of the Dolphin Financial Group. Alongside me today, I have a special guest. Tony Shore, of course, is always here, the trusty <laughs> sidekick. But joining us in addition is Jonah Faulkner. He is the newest addition to the Dolphin Financial Group. And he's going to help talk about the pros and cons of indexed universal life insurance. What do you think of that, Tony? Wow. Well, there's a number of things to unpack there. I mean, Jonah Faulkner, what a great name, by the way, Jonah. Um, Faulkner, wasn't that the name of the uh, of the head scientist uh, guy in the War Games movie, the old Matthew Broderick movie? Oh, do you want to play a game? Yeah, I don't know. I could be wrong. How about a name of chess? Or, or uh, yeah, uh, or Jason Faulkner of uh, Jellyfish fame. But... Um, the band jellyfish but jonah good to have you uh good to have a, a a another cohort on the show um and i've had a great week dan by the way uh just been really busy uh trying to uh, you know walk between the raindrops as they say and keep dry um but uh, dan how have you been tell us more about this special guest you're bringing on well yeah so we've been busy and jonah is new to the company but he's not new to insurance world. And he also, like me, has insurance background, but also is an investment advisor rep. So he can talk about financial planning, which is why he joined Dolphin Financial Group. And we were having a conversation about what his interests are and what his experience is. And he said, I am really into index universal life. So I thought, let's put him through the gauntlet with Tony and I and really get into it because you know my feelings. You probably know my feelings about it, Tony, but um, I'm going to let Jonah introduce himself briefly to the listeners that are new and uh, that that are perhaps new to the show or new to him. I first off just want to say thank you to both of you for the warm, the warm welcome. Uh, Tony, you're making me blush halfway through it. I love it. Um, Anyway. Um, as, as far as, as who I am, I'm a, I'm a young gun. I'm uh, ready to get started, but more importantly, I'm happy to be here and I'm eager to begin. All right. So Tony, what do you think? Well, we have to take it easy on him or what? Oh no, we're not going to go easy on Jonah. Uh, this is kind of the, um, you know, the, uh, what do they call that? The breaking in period, the the gauntlet. <laughs> the well, we're going to put him through the gauntlet. But uh, Jonah, but you got to tell us about yourself. Where Where are you from? I'm, I was born in Burlington, Vermont. Um, I spent very little of my life up there. Rather, immediately moved down to Florida. Um, I've spent most of my life in Florida. I did spend a good bit of time up north in Boston, going to school there. Um, I'm now in in Florida to 
basically support my sister. Home life's a little rough, but um, I, I like to be there for her. I struggled as a kid, and I really wish that I had an older sibling that kind of knew uh, how important mental health was and to, like, take care of yourself, you know, before anyone else and whatnot. So I'm, I'm, I'm here... Uh, I'm here because of my family right now, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's great that you're there for your family, and, and I think that's neat. Now, you you live in the area, then? Yes, I do. I live uh, I live in Clearwater. Oh, nice, nice, nice and close. Um, well, yeah. uh, it's good to meet you virtually here and uh, over the airwaves for our listeners out there. But um, yeah, Dan, I, I think we, we have to go easy on the guy. I mean, if he's, he's in it for family, I mean, that makes it kind of hard to pick on the guy, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But he did say he likes index universal life. <laughs> well, so we they have to, we deserve have to talk some picking about on. that. Right. Yeah. You have to approach this. So why don't I start Tony? Cause I know you're saying what is index universal life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but a lot of people that are listening to this podcast probably already know because they've been pitched Indexed Universal Life or they own some Indexed Universal Life. So, but for those that don't know, it's life insurance and it's called Indexed Universal Life. So there's two main factors there. One is universal life. And I've talked about that in the past. It's um, a type of life insurance policy. It's not whole life and it's not term life. It's universal life, which is kind of a combo. Um, term life is ex- expires after a certain set number of years, say 10 years term, you pay the same price, 10 years is gone. Whole life is your last your whole life, but you pay the same price throughout and it builds up cash. Uh, universal life, you can kind of, f- it's flexible. You can make it do what you want it to do. You can have it add cash value. You can have it be just a glorified term policy, but it's very flexible. And then finally, the index portion of it is simply a way to describe how it earns cash within the policy or interest. So it's indexed to an index such as the S&P 500. So when you put money into a life insurance policy, that goes to pay for the cost of the policy, but anything extra gains interest. With an index policy, it gains interest based on the index of your choice within the policy. So that's briefly in a nutshell what an index universal life policy is. And now I want to hear Jonah's idea as to why he thinks it's great. Now that you know the base idea of exactly what it is, that it's kind of a combo of both, and you know how the interest is credited, I think it's important to note once the interest is credited, it's locked in, it's guaranteed. So their market goes down, your money is fine. Uh, I think that that is a huge selling point of people who are risk-averse and want to participate in the market. Well, you know, Tony, we've heard this before. The it, the index goes up and can't go down, right? Or yep. lock-in gains. Yep, and you use Very that guarantee sweet. word. Um, and so it's guaranteed by the issuing insurance company. That's right. Uh, so they're, they're, even if the market drops 20%, you, you keep your interest that's locked in is what you're saying. Correct. It usually goes over the period of one year. So if the market uh, takes a crap at the end of the year, you're out of luck, but you're not going to experience a loss of value in your account. You're just going to experience no interest credited. So, so uh, this index universal life policy, they have, it, it has a cash value. Correct. So that means can, I can get some of my money back that I've paid in. That's specifically, uh, it, it, 
I can't say it's designed to do that because it is primarily life insurance, but an overwhelming majority of them are designed to provide tax-free retirement income. I think that's an important point to say about this is that it is life insurance. And I always say that the primary reason you buy life insurance is for the death benefit. And because of that, one of the things that I don't like about indexed universal life is that the death benefit costs more than you would pay if you wanted just to buy term insurance. So if I want a million dollar life insurance policy on myself to protect my family if I die, the cheapest way is for me to buy a term policy. Whole life is very expensive for a million dollars. And then indexed universal life would fall in between, which is why when it comes to pure death benefit, I would say the indexed universal life isn't the answer. When it, when it comes to pure death benefit, I, I can't refute that point, but there is a very interesting little caveat. So um, another type of universal life without you know going too much on a tangent called guaranteed universal life, you mentioned glorified term insurance. That's basically what it is. Your term is however long you live and your premium is whatever your premium is, but there's no cash value. So that's guaranteed universal life. IUL can work in a very similar way to GUL, but it gives you nowhere near the guarantees. So you might be guaranteed up till age 95 with a similar premium as you would a GUL, but the again, the death benefit comparison is is in the favor of term insurance. There's there's no there's no comparison there. But if you're if you're looking for longevity, you're not interested in a whole life policy, you're more interested in cash accumulation, I think IUL is a really strong option. Well, that's like, but you're right there. There's that longevity. And like for Tony, we could buy a 10 year term life insurance policy. and We know we're going to get paid out, but, um, <laughs> I love right? pizza. No, you're <laughs> Pro- not that old, prove Tony, me wrong. are you? Prove me wrong, Tony. Prove me wrong. <laughs> no, but you're right, Jonah. If you're going to buy term insurance, there is an end to that term. So universal life allows you to extend coverage beyond the traditional term, which a guaranteed universal is a good way to do that. But an index universal, I still think the death benefits should be your primary reason for buying it, which is why I like term better. But talk to me more about this cash value, which is probably going to be the best point of an IUL. Yeah, because Jonah, Jonah you, you're, you're arguing that it is, there are other reasons why you want it. It's not all about the death benefit. So what does that Correct. mean to just the average Joe like me? Uh, what else do I get out of it besides a death benefit? So there there are no uh, contribution limits. So if you're looking at other qualified retirement accounts, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you earlier that the, your, your, um, your distributions from the policy are tax-free. So you, you're able to grow money, right? You earn interest on that money, earn interest on that interest, and then you earn interest on the money that you should have paid in taxes on the interest. That's that's pretty sweet. But um, what, I, what I was saying about the qualified retirement accounts is that uh, they often come with caps. So once you've met the cap, where else can you put your money that you want to save, you know, for a rainy day, you know, especially retirement planning. Uh, and again, I think IUL is an extraordinarily well suited option. There are no contribution limits that actually the average IUL premium is twelve thousand dollars a month. So. That's a good point. There are no contribution limits. No contribution limits means you put in as much as you want, whenever you want. 
Whereas a, a traditional IRA, you're limited to the amount you can put in, and a Roth IRA has limits that you can only put in so much per year, which I could see IUL is more like a Roth in that you put money in after tax and you can get it out without paying taxes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. it has the same benefits as a Roth, but it doesn't have the limits on the contribution amounts as a Roth does. Correct. And a Roth IRA like, doesn't have a death benefit. Correct. But a Roth IRA also doesn't come with fees laden in it to um, pay for that death benefit. So the death benefit's not free. Uh, That's death, true. The uh, premiums. Correct. Correct. No, of course, the cost of insurance is not free, but I refer to the cost of insurance often as the um, you have to pay to play, so to speak. If you if you want the tax free retirement income, you have to this. This is the way this is you have to pay for insurance. So this isn't necessarily that someone that's rather unhealthy would want. There are other more suitable options. But if you're extraordinarily healthy and you're going to get a cheap rate for insurance, you'd be hard pressed to find something better. In my opinion, once you've maxed out. Um, your other qualified accounts. But if we just deconstruct that and say, all right, I'm healthy, I can get cheap term insurance instead, and then the money that I'm saving by not having to pay for the index universal life insurance debt benefit, I can put that into a Roth account and accomplish both things. For and sure. No, I, I can't I can't refute that point. Um, I feel like that's that can be decided on an individual basis. No. It could, but then again, there are limits on the Roth. So if I make too much money, I can't contribute to a Roth. Right, exactly. Or if I want to add more than 5000 or $6,000 to my IUL, I could, whereas a Roth, I'm limited even if even if I am, do make below the limits. Is, 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 is there any way that I can save for retirement in such a way where there's no contribution limits? Well, you can, no, I mean, you could, there's a lot of actually different ways you could save for retirement just, just because, um, you're putting money in stocks on the side for retirement doesn't mean that that's not for retirement just because it's not labeled an IRA. Right, of course, of course, of course. But yeah, this would be in addition to, um, a way to get around some contribution limits. I could see the value there, but why would I not just buy term insurance and then invest in the stock market because of the downside if you do the index thing you don't have to participate in any market downside correct so the trade-off there is yeah correct exactly so you might receive in your investment account you know a gain of 20 30 percent or whatever in an up market right you might experience you know 20 30 percent down in a down market in an iul you're not going to receive that full 20, 30% gain. You're going to receive a capped amount. Uh, usually those caps are, you know, anywhere of six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12%. Some of them are uncapped, but it depends on the company. It depends on the issuer. It depends on the index that you select. So unless you're watching over it like a hawk, it can be very quickly mismanaged and it can turn into uh, more of a liability than an asset. Not not in in dollar and cents terms, but it can be more hassle than it's worth. Is what I'm getting at. And that's a see that's a point that is often neglected to be shared with people that are looking to buy these policies. Is there's yes, there's downside limits, meaning you, you can't you're not gonna if your account value the index you go you choose goes down thirty percent, you're gonna be 
you'll make zero, for Correct. instance. But there's also a limit on the upside. Just like an index annuity, Tony, there's, in, there's a limit on these indexed ULs where you can't gain 40% in a year if there's a cap of 15. Correct. Um, which is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily like IULs compared to just traditional investing. If you're going to invest and take the risk, you might as well get the return. So the I, the IULs, though, like Jonah says, there's the death benefit. Then there's the cash value and upside growth to cash. Uh, no no contribution limits. And people are looking for ways to save for retirement or save in retirement. But the, the whole purpose of retirement accounts and saving for retirement, that cash value, is hmm. to utilize it. So of course, uh, if I'm if I if, so I have this IUL and it has a cash value of let's say fifteen or twenty thousand uh, dollars or ten thousand uh, dollars. Why do I? What am I doing with that money? Can I take it out at any time and just use it? And so, and, and am I going to be able to use that for income in retirement? I'm happy to let Dan answer that, or I'm happy to answer it. Um. Well, one thing for sure that if you put money in an IRA and you wanted to take it before 59 and a half, you get hit with a 10% penalty. Right. But I'm talking about in retirement. Let's say I'm 65 and I've got uh, an IUL with cash value. Can I just start taking that money out then to use in retirement it, if I need it? It it depends. It It depends what the purpose for you needing the money is. Um, is it for long-term care expenses that may be built into the policy? You may have that, that cash advanced to you. Did what if you I want to buy an RV? If you wanted to buy an RV, if you wanted to take out the money all at once, I, I've, I haven't seen IULs designed to essentially be like surrendered in that way. So if you deplete the cash value to zero, uh, you no longer have a policy. It, it needs the cash value within it to, I mean, unless it's designed to have no cash value. Right, but um, if if the cash if I can't use the cash value at any time for anything I want without without a big penalty, what is that money for? Why would I build up a cash value in an IUL and what happens to that cash? So what I was saying about the different companies, say you have a, a Minnesota Life uh, IUL, say you have their Orion IUL, you would need to wait uh, 20 years in order to loan against that money and you ask why on earth would you loan against your own money? You loan against it because the IRS considers a loan not income, so you do not have to count that as income, even though you're basically getting your money uh, without paying taxes on it after it's already grown. But you know, there's that long time horizon. So if you can't you can't set an IUL up when you're you're 65, or you really shouldn't. Um, it it it's you would want it to, you would want to have had it for about 20 years when you're and when you're anticipating retirement, preferably even longer. Um, and you could take the money out, Tony, to buy that RV. And that's, and I think that's important to note. And, and it's just a matter of how much money you have in there. But Jonah made a, a very important point, which is also swept under the rug a lot of times. And that's once you take the money out, it's no longer there in the policy making the interest or paying the premiums. Correct. Or exactly. Or paying the premium for your cost of insurance. So when you're 65, your cost of insurance is going to be a lot more than it was when you got the policy and you were 45. No, your people, people aren't considering that, but that's how the insurance company is making their money. How are they giving you these fantastic guarantees? You won't lose money in a down market, but we'll credit you money in an up market. 
and will allow you to own, loan against your uh, policy, you know, without paying taxes. How on earth is that a jeep? They're charging you on the back end for the cost of insurance and they're making out like bandits. Hugely important piece is that cost of insurance, which again is goes back to my point. If you're going to buy an IUL, you need to have a reason to have death benefit. Otherwise, why are you paying for cost of insurance? You're, pay, you're buying life insurance. It's just that they design it so that you can also use it as a savings vehicle or retirement fund. But you have to remember that the cost to insure your life is constantly increasing because you're getting older and you're closer to death, right? As as our friend Roger Waters says, one day older, one day closer to death. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, each breath you're getting. So the cost of insurance goes up and people don't factor that in. So you're right, Tony, you could take it out and buy that RV, but you have to take it out strategically so you're not destroying the policy and getting to the point where there's not enough money exactly. to even fund it. And then now you know, now you're in the RV and you get a bill from the insurance company that's 10 times higher than you normally would pay because there's no cash in there to pay, to help pay. And that's a reason why I don't like IULs. And and I, I'm Jonah's making some very good points. You know, there's really some positives here. But one of the main problems I have with, and by the way, that long-term care point mm. can't, shouldn't be lost. We can use it. Tell, talk to, really quick about more about the long-term care aspect of um, IULs. I wasn't. So the, the long-term care aspect that I was speaking about earlier was that you, basically you can have a long-term care policy built into a life policy where, you know, you, you can't do your activities. They live in two of them. You know, you get a, it, it triggers it and then it pays you out money. But um, just a, a quick pivot is I have a little note here. It says insurance is often classified so that it is not considered assets for Medicaid disqualification of nursing home costs. I don't know the validity of that. Would you care to speak of the validity of that? Because if that is true, that is a major selling point, is it not? Well, long um, so long-term care is a little different than life insurance cash value. If you have cash value built up and you're trying to qualify for nursing home gotcha. and Medicaid, they gotcha. will look at that cash value and say it ha can't be a certain amount. I think it's it can't be more than $2,000. Okay, actually. That, that meshes a lot more with what I've, you know, come to know in my own personal experience that anything with cash value with Medicaid is a no-go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have those riders that we you mentioned, which is the long-term care. Right, right, right. And you can actually use the death benefit amount to pay, to those pay costs. for it, which yeah. is a way to leverage money to pay for long-term care. And I'm a big proponent of that, leveraging the money within a life insurance policy to cover the cost of long-term care. And if you don't use the long-term care, the death benefit stays intact for the next generation or Does, your spouse as as IUL needs to be set up many years before a policy that'll pay for your long-term care is is definitely best uh, paid for well before you need it um you'll you'll pay less for it um depending on how much money you're bringing to the table um you may get more more substantially more coverage and thus substantially better care i mean waiting waiting to think about planning these things without being like too uh too crude is is what's going to get you um to a medicaid facility uh when you're at the end of life and and can't afford these these nursing home costs that they're our our ability to care for our aging population um, is 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 diminishing rapidly do we have um positions that need to be filled across the spectrum for caregivers, for RNs, um, LPNs, on and on and on and on and on. 
um, caring for our, our old population, our older population. And um, I, I don't want to go off in too much of a tangent, but I'm just saying these these costs are not these are not small costs. These are discussions that you need to have, or yeah. you're going to pay the price. Well, hey, I have a question for you, Jonah. Yes, sir. And that is with the uh, IUL, um, uh, the Index Universal Life Policy. So I'm, I've built up a cash value. And I always hear about these life insurance policies uh, that guys like you are telling me this is great because you got this cash value and you got a death benefit. But uh, let's say I have this uh, thing and you're saying, you know, leave it alone for 20 years. Well, it's 19 years and I pass away or 20. Mm-hmm. It's at 20 years or 21 years. I pass away. I haven't touched the cash value. So UL is kind of cool, especially in comparison with whole life. I think I'm more of a proponent of IUL, especially than I am whole life. And the reason for that is what you're talking about, the death benefit and the cash value. In a universal life policy, I can just select an option on the application and get both the cash value and the death benefit when the insured dies. On a whole life policy, let's say... I have a stepdad who did this. I didn't know why. I don't know why he did this. He didn't consult me um, when he did this, but he went to State Farm and he got a, a a ten pay, meaning you pay for ten years, a ten pay one hundred thousand dollar policy. The amount of premium that he had to pay for that policy was sixty eight hundred dollars a year. So he paid sixty eight thousand dollars for one hundred thousand dollars worth of insurance, under the impression that this cash value is there for him to take. And the one hundred thousand dollar death benefit will stay intact. I had the unfortunate um, conversation with him, explaining that no, that is not how that works. Whoever told you that, you know, either didn't know what they were talking about, or they were blatantly lying to sell you this policy. And I didn't. I, that, that's that's not how you approach that, apparently, because that didn't get very far. But <laughs> I, that's. Uh, that, that that's a huge difference between universal life and and whole life and how you can access the cash value. So so if I die, do my beneficiaries get the the um, do they get the payout the the life insurance payout, uh, the death benefit plus the cash value? So the the options are typically the cash value, the cash value, and the death benefit or the death benefit. And that's something you have to choose at the beginning. Again, and, and there's costs involved. Properly. One's more expensive than the other, I assume. Uh, correct. The one that includes both would be more expensive. Sure. So really, um, you know, the and the, the point about the long-term care Jonah's making is, you know, people need to prepare for this in advance. Um, and by the way, you can use these riders on these life insurance to pay for in-home care. You don't have to go to a nursing facility, which is nice. Much preferred. Uh, yeah, but because um, no one wants to go to nursing. No home. one, no one, no um, one. But the key points that I think to wrap this up is yes, there are some advantages to an index universal life. There's always the death benefit, which is great, but there's this growth potential on the cash, which gives some flexibility down the road. But the problem that I see, and and this is the same problem we had in 1980s with universal life in general, was that they are. They are designed poorly. They are overpromised. The interest rates that were projected are extremely high relative to what reality is. And so these don't perform as well as they would like. Yeah. And so I, I had a guy from California call me to say, hey, can you look at my index universal life policy? He was three years in. 
He's like, I need it for college, but for my kid's college. And his co- his kid was 15. And I said, so when is he going to college? You know, and he's like, wait, I was hoping three years. So he was hoping that this policy in six or seven years would do what the policy was designed to do potentially in 20 years. And so he was missold. It was, it was poorly designed or was oversold. The ex, the expectations were set too high. Realistic numbers should be used. In fact, one of the, one of the one more interesting things that happened, I think in 2018 recently, yeah, was the government came in and said, we cannot allow index universal life companies, the insurance companies to project such high interest rates. They are too rosy. We need, we, they passed a law requiring a reduction in the expected returns that are projected, that are illustrated because insurance agents were just projecting outrageously high interest rates in perpetuity. So these things looked great. Oh, I could put $10,000 in today and, and in three years I'll be able to take 50,000 a year out for life. Sign me up. You know, it was outrageous. So again, it all comes down to building it properly designing it properly and using it for the right reasons. And I'm not going to say that they're bad because they're not, but I'm not going to say that they're perfect because they certainly aren't. The only way to really use it is in specific cases and it has to be designed properly from the outset. I'm, I'm really glad that you talked about that. I feel like it'd be disingenuous to either glaze over that or not mention it at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's nice to talk about how IUO should be, but I think it's a lot more important to talk about how they actually are. And what's, what Dan's talking about is sadly what, what I, I don't know if those are just the people that speak the loudest about them, but it seems like an overwhelming majority of IULs are missold. Um, my, my entrance into IUL was actually after this, this rule change. So I've never been able to uh, paint a rosier picture than what uh, my, my clients would expect, nor did I ever want to. It wasn't ever my uh, prerogative to, you know, convince someone to buy a product from me. It, it wasn't like I was trying to maneuver around them or whatever. I, I was keenly aware that, you know, we have a, a, a business cycle, we have a market crash in this economy, like like almost like clockwork, you, you know, just backcast history. Um, and the and it's good that you weren't experiencing that because then the temptation was never there but again even with the new rules in place for how much it costs for IUL and what they can project people still manipulate it to to be sold to people that don't even need the life insurance portion you know let's focus on creating a a HSA or a Roth or just use your company match in the 401k. Those are the things that she, people should be doing first. And once all your ducks are in a row, then you could start looking at IUL as a potential option to get that tax-free retirement income you need. But don't start with that. And yeah, that's, that's the problem. Horrible, hor- horrible start. It's an excellent way to save on taxes. But if you're not utilizing the other things that are right there in front of your face, especially to reduce your taxable income, then we shouldn't even have the discussion. That's right. So, Tony, question for you. Yeah. Who do you want to list as your beneficiary on this new IUL policy we're going to be signing you up for today? (laughs) Would you like it to be your wife or your kids? Which one? Who's going to be Uh, taking care of you? I'm thinking about a third party. There's a third name, but I'm not buying one of those policies today. (laughs) Can't blame you. 
Yeah, I, I just thought of uh, just a name that popped into my head. Uh, somebody who I think could really use it, and that's uh, Thomas Turkella. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That is an inside joke. A lot of the no one else will know that, but Dan. But uh, no, I, you know, obviously there's pros and cons, and it, it, there's the cons to me in any insurance policy. And Jonah's not going to like me saying this, but uh, you know, and that's what people think of first. Is like that's where my mind goes. Anytime somebody says the word insurance, I'm like I'm paying out money and not getting anything in return. That's my immediate Correct. first thought, and that's why people are wary of insurance. But insurance protects us, and insurance is something we need. Both for we need to insure our retirement, we need to insure our cars, we need to insure our health. So obviously, and we need to insure the legacy for our family after we're gone. So. Uh, I believe insurance is necessary. It's just finding the right fit and finding somebody who isn't going to sell me a bill of goods like that guy you talked about in California. It wasn't the right thing for him. So, um, you know, I just that's think not a, you have to be wary and you got to work with guys like uh, uh, Dan Wendell and, and Jonah Faulkner so you don't get duped. And that's the beauty of us having that fiduciary responsibility, even though we maintain insurance license. We are also investment advisors, so we're acting in the best interest of our clients, and we're always looking to make sure that people are doing the right thing. And a lot of times what we do is we run into people that have these already and are looking for us to guidance on something they've already purchased, Sure, which is a lot harder than being able to tell them in the beginning, don't buy this, or here's how you what you should buy. Or you need this policy with this rider for your situation, right? Right. But without taking, you know, careful note of their debts, you know, their expenses, the other people in their household, you know, like what their what their actual lives are like. It's very much um, a sales process. You know, very little consideration is given to what they actually have. Anyway. Yeah. Financial planning is the way to start. Insurance is a small part of it. And if, unless you're doing comprehensive financial planning, you could get roped into something that you simply don't need or is not appropriate for you but you won't know until you sit down and talk to someone at the, about the big picture. All right. Well, that'll do it. Yeah. I think, Tony. I think, I think that's think? it. You, any? you guys have covered so this. I mean, it's really a convinced? good show. No, I'm not, not convinced, convinced I need one, but you know, at this point, uh, I'm probably mm. beyond the time horizon. I've, <laughs> I've crossed <laughs> that time horizon maybe, but uh, where, where it might be effective for me, but I'm sure some type of policy like that, maybe even a cash value policy, but we are out of time. Uh, Jonah, great insight. Uh, Dan, uh, again, great show. Let our listeners know one more time how they can get a hold of you guys if they want to sit down and get a second opinion on what they've got. The best way to get a hold of us, just go to dolphinfinancialgroup.com. We'll have our connect the contact us on there and you can connect with Jonah and I, or you could just call us. The number is 888-508-5935 and you can connect with either of us on, on the phone as well. Or you know what, Tony, we're doing, you know, Jonah's a little younger than I am. So he's more into the technology. I think these, uh, these video chats are the new, new thing, right? Um, so we'll do those as well. So anybody interested in talking, doesn't matter where you are, give us a call or connect online dolphinfinancialgroup.com. Thanks for a good show, Jonah. Thanks, Tony, for letting Thanks, us... Thanks, Tony. ...for not beating us up. <laughs> All right, guys and listeners, that does it for today's episode of Dolphin Financial Radio with our host, Dan Wendell, and special guest, Jonah Faulkner. 
The topics on this show are wide-ranging, yet relevant to people approaching or living in retirement, like me. If there is a topic you want to hear on the show, head to dolphinfinancialgroup.com and contact Dan to request your topic or to share your opinion. Dan Mundell or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Dolphin Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.